Hey everybody, welcome back to Patriots of the Core. I am Thad Forster and it has been a while, so thank you for hanging in there with me. Today's episode number 75 is Dan Skidmore. Dan spent nine years as an Air Force combat controller and as a member of this elite group he deployed to Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, and other locations across the globe. He's a member of Force Blue, which unites the communities of special operations veterans with the world of marine conservation for the betterment of both. Uh, Dan is also the director of training for GORUCK, which is a gear, apparel, footwear, and events company that I'm a huge fan of. In this episode, we cover three main topics, combat control, GORUCK, and one of his businesses called RUCKRAP, which promotes recovery and injury prevention by compression and teaches how to maintain your machine. And at the end, I also get his opinion on uh, the professional athletes kneeling for the national anthem. So I hope you enjoy this hard-charging health and fitness advocate that I enjoy following on Instagram. All right, so Dan, you are a CCT or former CCT. Why did you choose that field? Well, I chose to go in the Air Force specifically because uh, my dad was uh, he's got a PhD in electrical engineering and worked at Ohio University in the avionics department. And so I kind of grew up going out to the airport and uh, spending a lot of time, you know, just loving that side of things. Um, it's always fascinated me. Flights always fascinated me. And then things blowing up seems to be a cool thing. And when I was uh, just coming out of high school, I didn't really have a lot of direction. Um, Could have went to college for free, but knew that I'd kind of just squander that time away uh, chasing things that weren't really active. Um, so, I went in, talked to a recruiter, and said, hey, what's the hardest thing that you got? And, uh, and he threw down a couple pamphlets, and uh, I settled on combat control. How has that field changed over the years, or are you aware how it's changed, maybe just in, in the pipeline or certain schools or the training or what? Yeah, so outside of the training, um, I, I was able to go down to San Antonio a couple years ago, and you know when I was there, it was – uh, we were in like a, a mildewy building with black mold growing on the walls and it was all kind of run down. And then you know, I got to visit back and see the training facilities and see how they put the kids through basic training. And it's just evolved so, so much and, and so much more focused now uh, to really help guys all the way from their first day of basic training to perform and recover and stay focused um, to really set them up for success all the way through. And so I was, I was really amazed at how much they had put into it. And, you know, this is 15 years later where they have guys that have been going to war and coming back and making refinements. And uh, a lot of guys that I was stationed with kind of went back and now they're cadre. And so seeing their inputs into the whole system is, is amazing. Um, so it's really well, well refined now. Um, especially with like strength and conditioning and what they're giving all of the recruits to set them up for success. It's it, I think it mirrors the Navy's program and the uh, Army Special Forces program a lot more now than it would have then. you talking about like gear uh, education or what? Education, for sure. Um, and we always got a lot of classes of guys coming in and telling you how to eat, telling you how to recover a little bit and, um, and just like mindset stuff. But now it's so much more of like, you know, you've got your strength and conditioning coaches trying to get guys up and get them on a good program. You've got all the tools, you know, like, um, ice baths, hot tubs, float tanks, uh, vibration stuff, you know, compression, foam rollers, 
all the gear, all that Gucci gear that you can use that can make a difference in your recovery and performance. Well, that's all front loaded to you as opposed to then, you know, when I, when I went through back when it was hard back when I went through, um, we, you know, you, it, that was kind of just coming out. Right. And this was also before the CrossFit age, right. Or before CrossFit was like yeah. super, super popular. And so now that's kind of trickled down. Um, and it's gotten just mainstream huge, but think about it in like 2010, even, even 2010, what, what's a foam roller, right? Well, that wasn't really made popular yet. Um, and, and stuff like that is kind of on the fringe of concepts that work well for athletes. And, uh, and now, you know, giving it to guys, I think it's improving how they perform, how they recover. And then hopefully it's get more guys on the teams and, uh, and out, you know, ready to do, do good work. Yes. Yeah, so when you look back on your time as a controller, you know, what are, what are some of the good, and the bad memories. Mm, well, I've got a lot of distinct memories of drowning or, uh, or, or, think, or thinking I couldn't breathe. And, uh, you're talking and about like, like in the, Panama city. Uh, well, it really starts, you know, a year and a half before you end up in Panama city. It was like the first couple days of the orientation course or, or air traffic control school where they're just trying to weed guys out using, uh, water. Right. And so, um, those, those distinctly like traumatic memories of training. Um, you know, I, I feel that and it wouldn't even be in the pool. It would be like the bus ride to the pool. Right. And see, it's the anxiety that you try to, that you kind of like harness cause you know, something bad's about to come. And, and I've, I've kind of, I've recognized that and I adapt that to like, Hey, all right, well, I'm on the helicopter, right. About to do a helicopter infill and, something bad's about to go down, right? Or on a truck and we're going to the front door um, or like, you know, to an offset and you could feel that level of anxiety kind of creeping in and, uh, and how to manage that through breath and mind control. So, you know, that, that mindset of like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to do something and it's going to hurt. Uh, but that's <laughs> just part of the game. Hey, the drowning part, uh, I've, I've mentioned this before, I think, with someone else, but in Mark's book, Mark, ha I, ha I had in there where Mark thought every day he was going to drown. I think he was talking about it at the dive school. Yeah. And Avsock asked me to remove that. <laughs> that's that's interesting because that's one of those things that I was just listening to, uh, and I think it's like culturally about, you know, Navy SEALs or combat controllers, is there's this, uh, there's this urban legend that you're gonna throughout training, you're going to be drowned, right? And so you're gonna you're gonna die, you're gonna die, and they're gonna pull you back, and then some kind of something's gonna happen, and they're gonna revive you on the side of the pool. And you never really knew if that was actually gonna happen. And I kind of I actually fully expected it to happen any day. And there was that one day where the, all the cadre are gonna get together and be like, all right, today's Skidmore's day, right? And we're just gonna we're gonna hold him down until he until he's done fighting. And then they're going to revive you somehow. Well, that's not that's not a really good business plan um, <laughs> as it is. And like, unfortunately, guys, some guys have died. Um, not not related to that. But if you can get guys thinking, hey, this is a possibility. Well, then that also switches on something of like, hey, all right, it's a possibility that I'm on a mountaintop somewhere and you might die. Right. That's a very real possibility. So if you can kind of mentally wrap your mind around that commitment level. Well, then you're just one step closer to getting on the X. 
No, that's a good point. Good perspective. Well, and it might not, you know, whether it's true or not, um, it's, it's true for a lot of guys. Right. And, uh, and so I, I always thought it was going to happen. <laughs> I'm sure Mark did too. <laughs> yeah. Well, knowing now what you know about health, you know, physical, physical and mental strength, emotional strength, you know, how would, how would that have made your, your recovery better, your, your, your time in the pipeline better? Well, uh, I focused a lot more on nutrition and I didn't have the tools that I think that I have now. Um, but as far as like, Hey, all right, when it boils down to it, when you're sleeping, you're recovering. And so, and, and what you're, the food that you're getting is recovery. Everything else on that is just a, a tool in the toolbox and, and kind of like getting you helping to improve a little bit as it, as it goes. And so I think that I would have taken a, been a little bit more of a geek on, uh, sleeping then than I, and, and as opposed to like now, um, how I am and then off, off days or recovery, but I was really dialed into it back then. You know, I'd take the weekends even down at like air traffic control school and we'd go to the, one of the casinos and we'd go to the spa and just like mentally reset, right. Get a, get a body massage, chill out, reset your mind, reset your body, um, and not live in that, like in that death zone the whole time. Right. And so, um, you, know, you got to balance the, uh, the really hard times with resets. And, uh, and I think that that goes in, in line with like even events, right? Cause it's so emotionally driven and training is emotionally driven. It's like a roller coaster Well, you got to come down and, uh, and prepare to go even higher. And then if you, if you find that, like level of uh, reset that you can give yourself and everybody's different. Well, then you can achieve higher peaks on that next uphill. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else on combat control? And I, you know, it's awesome to see guys uh, continue it. Uh, and the evolution of air force special operations has been really awesome to see. Uh, I'm really proud to be a part of it. And, uh, and seeing guys like that I was, that I was with kind of roll through the, the, the senior ranks and make, make big changes. Um, really happy to have been a part of it. And, uh, and it'll always, it, it was a great, a great, you know, evolution and, uh, kind of bring up career or first career for me. Um, so I'm, I'm really thankful for all the guys that I got to be stationed with and, uh, and, and be instructed by. How long were you in? I did nine years, uh, okay. so 2006 to 2015, so uh, four years on the first enlistment and then five, and uh, I was kind of at that decision point of, hey, I'm either going to do 20 or I'm going to look at some other things to do, and uh, and I had a daughter uh, right before that and kind of got into into business, uh, into a little side hustle um, that kind of became the main hustle, and uh, had a decision point in uh, 2014 and 15, and so finished up with nine years and then moved on to the next phase. By the way, is, is that business, is that one of the businesses we're planning on talking about with RuckRap or is that something different? So RuckRap's kind of evolved uh, out of, in the last, just in the last year, but really the roots go, you know, back to 2012 or 2013 and because it's, it's concepts, right? And it comes back to the recovery concept and just tools for the toolbox is things that you can use and little things that ha- should have multiple uses um, to help 
kind of fill in gaps in your game and uh, and recover, and help you heal better. And so uh, my, the first business that I got into was a, a CrossFit gym, and uh, and I love coaching, I love training, and uh, and that kind of became my my passion outside of work. And it really, at, at some level, it kind of you know focused more on that at certain points than I than I probably should have, and it didn't take me away from any deployments, but it was like a, it was like a healthy habit that I had outside of the, outside of work that kind of became my, my big passion. And so, um, outside of that, you know, I had a gym right there at Fort Bragg outside of, uh, Pope Air Force Base and, uh, and just trained and started coaching and, uh, and really delving into that. And then I kind of fell in love with the idea of, uh, being an entrepreneur and having your own thing and building, uh, a couple different revenue streams. And so the, the transition from the air force into the entrepreneurial world started immediately. And, uh, and so, and then Ruck rap is kind of spun out of that as a, a necessity because somewhere along the line, I, I got introduced to go Ruck, um, and, you know, saw a need for people just beating down their bodies and doing hard things on a regular basis. And, and, primarily older folks too. Like the, I think the average age for a, a rucker is, you know, significantly older than a pipeline uh, candidate. And so they need ways to recover. And, uh, and that's where it's kind of come in. Man, those are two good topics that I want to get on. So I, I want to go back to maybe like, I don't know what year, 2015, 2014, I discovered go Ruck. and mm-hmm. I spent so much time watching every video on the website and on YouTube that I could about GoRuck. And I and one of my good friends who does Mark's Walk every year with me, along with many others, he got hooked on it. And so we both could not wait to get our first GR2. You know, and I had to save my I couldn't just got get it. You know, they're not they're not cheap. But I mm-hmm. remember I finally got that thing several years ago and I love it. I it is my that's what I travel with and and preferably, that's the only thing I take with me when I tra- travel on a flight. I, I, I don't think I can, I can get enough gear. And then I did a, a GORUCK uh, light course, and I was signed up for the GORUCK star course in Huntsville that was supposed to take place in April. And, of course, it was postponed. And then, of course, I, I had my injury, so I'm trying to get ready for it because it was moved to October. So that's what I got it ready for. So will you explain... Go Ruck, and yeah, you talked about maybe the age is can, can be much older. Yeah, you can do it for you can do it forever. What is Go Ruck? So Go Ruck, from where you were introduced to it to the time that I was introduced to it, I'm sure it was a different animal as it is. And uh, and I've had this conversation with Jason McCarthy, who's the the founder of Go Ruck. Uh, basically, started off as a a backpack company, right? And and we call backpacks in the military rucksacks. And then the art of rucking is just moving out with whatever pack you got um, on the way to go do some, whatever the task is that you have. Uh, but it's a, you know, locomotion. Uh, but it's also just a way to get to work. And uh, it just so ha- happens to also be physically demanding, right? Because it's constant time under tension. And uh, and then go ruck, you know, Jason, kind of as a way to um, bring these rocks to and incorporate an experience, put on these, I like to call them team building endurance challenges modeled after special operations training. And so uh, Green Beret started it. Well, hey, we all have different experiences inside of special operations. And the whole idea, hey, you know, 
a focused uh, a focused mission, um, get to point A to point B. You've got a time hack, and hey, maybe there's all this other stuff that we need to carry, or something happens along the way, and we have to problem solve it together in a small group in the middle of the night. And you're cold, you're wet, you're hungry, and your body hurts. And so all these little like weird factors that are coming in, and then we have to problem solve. And so it's been a, it, it's a really a cool environment to where people can thrive and find out more about themselves. And then they would normally have like just, you know, hanging out or, uh, or reading books, right? You get out and, and get into it and you learn something more about yourself. And so, um, you know, I got, I got into it and, uh, and, and really have loved being a part of it, um, cause it filled a gap for me that I needed, uh, after I transitioned out of the military. And, um, and so, you know, the events were always changing. There, there's some things that have kind of fallen by the wayside and, and then also new things that have uh, popped up and different focuses of the company as it, as it's grown. Uh, but man, awesome, awesome. There's a couple different parts, right? There's the gear side, right? Backpacks, awesome boot. They've del- delved into boots and shorts and shirts and hats and basically an entire outfit um, that is prime time, right? I mean, tier yep. one gear. It's it's really well made, and they pride themselves on having stuff that that you know guys would be would be proud to wear, right? Stuff that's going to last and and take a beat down and then come back for more. And then also the event side, which is, you know, experiential and it's, it's a great way to get out and test yourself and, and find some other like-minded folks that are uh, down to push themselves and, and have a good time. The, the, the worst good time that you can possibly have. Yeah. So what is your role with Go Rock now? Well, my role, uh, my role now is I've taken on the, uh, the role of director of training. Um, but my role before was cadre, right? And so cadre is, uh, you know, we have cadre going through the, the pipeline as your instructor, um, or kind of like a, a mentor at some level. And so I, I spent about three years, um, doing cadre ops, which basically you fly to a city and, uh, and meet some folks in the, whatever destination you want, whether it's a parking garage or a park somewhere or the, the, you know, under some monument and, uh, and just put them through whatever event you want. Um, but then, uh, you know, that's kind of transitioned now. Uh, a couple of months ago, Jason called me up and was like, Hey, I want to do this thing. And I want you to leave it. And, uh, so the director of training, which is kind of right up my alley. Uh, I love training and, uh, and kind of leading uh, fitness as well. So that's been a, cool evolution in the uh, last couple months. So this is a new role, a, a new, a newly created position. Yeah. Uh, and they've had other directors of training, but I think the, the vision and the, the time uh, was right just because of the conditions with uh, COVID and the restrictions that were put on gyms and, uh, and people, you know, whether they're at their homes or, you know, limited, they couldn't necessarily get to the gym or didn't know what to do. And so the time was, the time was right. And it was a perfect opportunity for us to say, all right, well, Hey, we've wanted to do this. Let's pull the trigger. Let's organize our thoughts, put a plan together and, um, and, and get to it. And so Jason kind of tagged me with that and, uh, laid, laid down the intent and man, well, I've taken it and rolled with it and uh, had, a, had a great time. So, you know, right now folks, you know, 
some folks can't get into a, a gym because of social distancing or whatever the, the current climate is, um, but they can log onto an app and see a training session and say, all right, well, I'm going to knock this out and it's going to be hard. It's going to be simple, but very difficult and, um, and be consistent with it and move odd objects and do body weight work. And, uh, and then also have a community to get back to and, and just have that, you know, what, what made CrossFit so awesome in the, in the grassroots days is the community aspect. Well, now we have to kind of look at that a little differently and, uh, and adapt and overcome to whatever the environment is currently. As a cadre, what was your favorite event to lead? You know, I got to lead a bunch of different events, uh, throughout the, the last couple of years and I can't really put one you know, I'd say that I love doing the uh, expeditions or the ascents and being out in nature and doing like rappelling and, and rock climbing and that kind of thing. But then, you know, there's something really cool about urban survival with the constellation courses. So um, you know, I, I don't really have one that I'm like, I'd love more than the others um, because they are they're They all bring something different. Um, and there's a, there's a good level of diversity there. The workouts now that you were talking about a second ago. Is there a typical time limit? Are these meant to be short workouts, short and intense, kind of like CrossFit? Well, the idea um, kind of stems back to the constantly very high intensity functional movement. Um, and, and we're now limited to equipment, right, with sandbags and rucks and body weight stuff. Um, but if we're always operating in that like 60 minute to 90 minute time frame, you can get a lot done there. Um, but but if it's always like, all right, well, that's the cap. I, I think that there's huge benefits in the seven to 12 minutes of very intense movement and, and really like gassing it down um, or burning it down as it, as it is. And then also just moving out. Um, so a good mix of that. Um, typically, the, the training sessions last like, you know, about an hour. Uh, but that's that's warm up, high intensity and then cool down. And then there's some rucking in between there. And it's really time-based too, because if I, if I have three hours to train a day, well, I can't operate at a, at a super high intense zone for the full three hours. Uh, and, I, and I've really tried to modulate that as we go through the weeks and the months uh, and the cycles of programming to be consistent. And some days it's like, hey man, yesterday was really tough. What's the one thing that I can do today that isn't gonna break me? And, uh, and so there's a balance right, between long and short and medium and heavy and just body weight. Um, and that's that's kind of the, the blend that I've really strove for. Would you share a workout or two that when you when you've got like 10 minutes, 10, 7, 10, 15 minutes to do something intense? What's an example of something you would do? Ooh, let's see. Um, you know, OK, so yesterday um, I did the cool little workout where it was basically a ladder uh, and you've got a buddy. And so I do a pull up, you do a pull up. I do two, you do two. I do three, you do three. I do four, you do four. We go up to five and then we do like a, a ruck, so call it a 200 meter ruck over to a dip bar. Right. And we do the same ladder. Maybe we go down. So we do 10, eight, six, four, two, and then we go back and forth. And if we shoot for, Hey man, let's do this little ladder as many times as we can in 10 minutes. Hopefully we can get three rounds right back and forth. Or um, if I just say, hey, today we're going to do dead, the sandbag deadlifts and push-ups, right? And the number of the day is seven and seven, and we're going to do that for ten minutes. 
get as many rounds in as you can. You know, you can gamify it however you like yeah. to. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're picking stuff up, you're putting it down, you're putting stress on your body and, uh, and consistency, consistently moving in, in different ways is, is awesome to me. And, uh, and then we've got our little way that we break it down and, uh, and, and keep it fresh. That's the whole idea. You know, not let it, not let it get stagnant and, uh, and keep it fun. Yeah. So, you know, I see a lot of your videos on Instagram and, uh, you're outside You've got a, a whole playground. Is that a, is that some public place? Or you know, I see you've got bars. You can do dips, pull-ups, beams. You can do your balance on. Or are these various places in the city? Or did you build this? No, I haven't. Luckily, I didn't have to build it. I found it one day. We were out for a run, and um, there's a little urban urban park uh, that they've set up. Cool little spot, and they've got you know pull-up bars. And, and luckily, I just found this little a balance beam. So, but you can replicate that with anything, right? I mean, any playground is going to have the same stuff. It's just purposing it for, for what you got. So I've got, you know, luckily I've got a full, really cool gym here and, um, and you know, the world's your playground. So get out and get after it. And it's, it's way better to, than being inside in the air conditioning. It, it, in my opinion, anyways, cause you're out, you know, affecting your heat shock proteins in your body and adapting to the environment. And, uh, and it's always good when you got some some dirt on your hands and face. Yeah. So what about the sandbags? You, you talked about those, and I, those are really being pushed a lot now. What are the benefits of the sandbags? Well, you know, I, I didn't start off with sandbags, right? And, and if you look at CrossFit, they use barbells a lot. Well, the sand and, and so nothing in life though is perfectly balanced, right? Everything's got a little twist to it, and it's hard, right? And I'm gonna, like, What's well, 28 millimeters, but you find yourself um, grabbing stuff that has an awkward handle a lot. And so sandbags uh, have been around for ages, right? But, it, but it's constantly shifting. It's um, an, a, a weird feeling. It's a little off balance. Um, really nice when you can get it feeling balanced and hard and stiff and you can move it quickly. Um, but it more replicates stuff that you're actually you know, fighting against in real life, whether it be like an ammo can where shifts the stuff like shifting around in there. Um, but it's one of those training tools that, you know, we, we consistently, use. I mean, I used them when I was first starting, um, as well. when I think back to it, um, but just another training tool, right. That is actually, it's, it's awkward and it's, uh, but it's mobile. You can get out and, uh, you can slam it, punch it, you can pick it up, throw it over your head, drop it. You know, they're pretty, pretty durable um and uh and goruck has gone through a lot of evolutions of uh of their different stitch patterns and where to put the handles and what what they're going to have that won't fall apart um because you know they've got their their scars policy that if it breaks they'll build it back and or replace it for you and uh and so that's been kind of a cool little dynamic and i didn't know there was an app is there there is a goruck app for the events now or for uh, workouts for the workouts, we're currently using a, uh, a, a tracking system called Beyond the Whiteboard. And Beyond the Whiteboard is one of the most, I think it was one of the first tracking systems that CrossFit gyms used. And so there's tons of workouts on there, but it's got some really cool features that allow you to track your food and your sleep and, what, and how your training's going. And you could put in all of your previous times and then compare it over time. And then you can also be a part of communities and see other people's scores, too. And so we're, we're using the, the system called Beyond the Whiteboard, 
um, to, to kind of get the information out and to collect it all um, and to kind of distribute the information. But we've also got a, a Facebook group that people jump onto and ask questions and, uh, and all that. But, you know, GoRuck's kind of evolving their, uh, their event site as well. So there's, there's a, there's a big grand scheme plan that I probably can't get into right now. Um, uh, but, but as of right now, it's an app based system to where hey, you log into it and you get a daily workout. And I basically break it all, all the way down for you, show you the examples and, uh, and let you get to work. And if you've got issues or, you know, need to modify or, or, or need help with something, uh, we've really tried to make ourselves available to, to help answer questions and get you focused on the right track. What can you share about what's next for GoRuck? Well, um, this is a, a really interesting time, right? And so, hey, what, you, I'll answer the question with a question. What's next for the world, right? Like, how do we, how do we evolve in this system? And, uh, and finally, we're, we're, we're fringing on some normalcy. Uh, they just did the, the GRT reunion down in Jack's Beach and, and it had a great group. Um, but I think we're getting a lot of really good traction with the training. Uh, in the relationships we have inside of the fitness realm. And so I think you're going to see more people getting on, on board with like, you know, back in uh, five, six years ago, it was like, Hey, I'm going to do some cardio. I'm going to sit on this concept two rower or be on the assault bike for an hour. Well, man, like, I think we can do better than that. Let's, let's put a backpack on and, and get outside and, um, and have some fun and, and time under tension. And so just trying to, open up rucking to more people. And I, and I think the, one of the goals is to make rucking what running was in the nineties, right? Cause that was like a huge boom and tons of people were doing five K's and 10 K's. Well, rucking is just another activity that you can do. And it's a really good one, right? It's, it's strengthening and great conditioning and, uh, and, and can be done with a lot of, a lot of people and, uh, and, and a good community environment too. So, an emphasis on the rough clubs of building those out and building little hubs of, of folks that are, you know, mutually supportive and uh, encouraging to get people out. That's going to continue to be a big focus. And, uh, and then the events too, there's going to be a, a good number of events coming up in 2021 and, uh, and just keeping doing hard things with awesome special operations cadre. And, uh, and just have a lot, a lot of fun. I have been rucking since 2011 when we started Mark's event. And so every year I train, I always start, you know, December, January, every weekend. And uh, the event is always in May. And so I've used different backpacks and I've used different shoes. I've put lots of miles on shoes. And so once the Mach V1s came out, they really were as advertised. I pre-ordered them got them right after they came out. They're awesome. Now I'm, I'm looking to get some of those tan ones, the suede, I think, uh, like, like you wear a lot. Uh, I'm going to get some of those next, but they feel great. And when you're rucking, you know, you got that extra weight on your body. And so you got to have good shoes and I just had a hard time finding good ones. I found some to work that I had to modify with different inserts and, or my feet would hurt for the first few miles and then they, and then they would, they would adjust and I'd be fine. But Mach V ones have been, perfect for what I need. Something else good about the rucking that I like is, man, man, it's just, if you're going out with a family, you're taking your kids for a walk or they're riding their bikes or you're pushing them in a little scooter or something, and mm-hmm. you got extra weight on your back with your rucksack. 
you go into the store. I know Jason posts post this. Maybe he's close enough to a grocery store. He walks and throw a few things in the backpack. It's just so practical. Well, you know, and the boots are a funny, funny story with uh, the the guy that came up with the and put a ton of effort into the, the classic Reebok pump. Um, man's name is Paul Litchfield, and he's just a a self-described shoe dog, right? I mean, that's his mm-hmm. life. And so it, it, I got to visit him in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and kind of before the release of the MacVs. And I sat in his office with him, and he just dove deep onto like the angle and how when you're walking as opposed to running, the bones shift. And so everything down to like you know the style of the jungle boot, but also the insole and the the, the heel elevation for how a, a good stride. I mean, they thought about so many different factors and then did their best to, to put together an awesome boot that has kind of gone through a couple different evolutions now and all the way up to the, the most recent release, which is the Origins, which is a, a black jungle boot, with the green uppers. And that's kind of a, a classic um, jungle boot look. But they, they've tons of different boots for tons of different people. But you know, simple, simple is always better, in our opinion. And, uh, and they've been a haven't worked for everybody, but I, I haven't found a boot that I, I like more. I could do more with. Um, so, you know, just getting out and, and putting your product, putting the tools that you have and the products to use has been a, a really cool thing. And so that's just it. Like one of the ideas was, um, hey, 10,000 steps a day, right? And getting out with your family and, and building in those consistent habits of taking walks. And I used to do that with my dad. Uh, when I was before I went into the military, it was uh, we'd go out on the bike path and uh, and hit a couple miles, and I was really trying to get my my vertical leap up higher. So I had those shoes with like the big clunky front ends where your heels would go down further, and I'd do all these exercises. But that was a shoe for that intent. But if you're rucking, you know it's better to have a boot that's specifically designed for rucking and to hold up uh, than like a tennis shoe that is not necessarily going to support that extra. 20, 30 pounds, and it's going to just break down way faster. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so having the, the right shoe for the right sport um, and the right task is going to make a difference. And it can you know, keep you in the game longer or it can you know, kind of – things that hurt, we're just going to stop doing. And if your feet and shins and Achilles are killing you or end up injured, <laughs> you're not going to be able to do the stuff. So getting the right gear is essential. Without fail, every year for Mark's Walk, people show up that haven't trained and haven't trained in their gear that they wear. And mm-hmm. they think, okay, I've got some good running shoes. They're comfortable. I'm good to go. I can walk 35 miles. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, not, I can't say 100%, but almost every single one of them regret that after a few miles and they have to quit. There's been a few that have, that have done it and they've been okay. But the majority, they get injured. They realize oh, I shouldn't have done that. I should have trained with something else, <laughs> or I should have trained. Period. First of all, mm-hmm. what other story down? When I moved to uh, in 2011, we moved or 2012, we moved to a suburb of Birmingham, and it's really hilly, huge neighborhood. As I started training in the winter for Mark's Walk, each year I would get these strange looks from people, and I, and actually I got and I got questioned once or twice too from folks wondering what I was doing because I had on a a desert camo backpack that was one of Mark's, and I, you know, I had on warmer clothes because it was cold, including something on my head, and it was all dark clothes, and so I looked a little suspicious. They didn't know what to think, 
And it took me several years to realize, okay, Thad, you've got to, you, there's a few things you can do to not look so suspicious. And so <laughs> taking something from GoRuck, like the simple reflectors on your backpack, plus getting a, a GoRuck rucksack, I got a GR2, which was gray. So it wasn't the camo type, military type, <laughs> deployment type look. Put those reflectors on, and then as it got warmer, I wore bright. Well, I, I did. I should have done it even if it was colder. I did get a, I got a jacket too, bright color jacket. So then it's like, okay, this guy's not trying to hide from anything. And I had to put these posts on our in neighborhood Facebook page. Say, hey, folks, this is this is me. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Doing it. I do it every year. I'm not some weirdo walking the streets canvassing houses to rob. And so that with the simple things of how I dressed changed things completely for me. Well, you know, I think there's a certain aspect of embracing your inner weirdo and being that guy that's out like, you know, hey, you're crushing it. You're you're fulfilling something inside yourself. You're out, you know, and, and training in what you're going to fight in. Right. And like just make those connections with people and, and you're going to get looks regardless. I haven't been to one city and done one event where somebody hasn't been like, what in the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> Right. And so, uh, man, that's just what it is. Right. And so, you know, I, I hate the whole neon thing, but I think what would help maybe, maybe just like a little mindset shift is instead of like just creeping around through people's backyards, like you were doing, maybe like just, uh, you know, planning your route differently and then engaging, right. And talking and smiling to people and like waving at them. And then, you know, people are going to ask you what you're doing and just give them that little, Hey, I'm, I'm planning for a team building endurance challenge. Right. And so that's how we get better is we, we got to talk, right? And we got to share this, um, share what you're doing and like just give a little glimpse. And you never know who's going to be like, hey, I, I want to try that um, because people are always looking for something to get down on. And I get that little like tingly feeling where I'm like, ooh, man, this is this is weird. You know, we should maybe we shouldn't really be here right now doing this, but we're going to do it anyways. And we're going to avoid whoever's looking at us. Um, but there's tons of different ways you can do it. You know, I don't, I don't know if a reflective a, a reflective piece is going to help you not get the cops called on you, right? But mm -hmm. it's, amaz it's amazing how many times we've got the police called on us. And then it you know, might be a little different in today's environment, but uh, most of the time the police show up and they're like, oh, well, all right, well, awesome, good on you, keep crushing it. And uh, and then you invite them along and or, or they offer to run uh, interference or even give you a little escort, that's, which is always appreciated. Oh yeah. Anything with rug route because that's one of your businesses, and I and I started seeing this on on Instagram several months ago and wondering what in the world is this. And then you know you and I talked and you told me the benefits and how it would help me with my Achilles. So what is rug wrap and the benefits of it? So I you know I think I might have reached out to you before uh, before it even came about, but um, and and that's another side story. But when I first started Go Ruck, um, my actually the very first event that I did, um, my, my wife did it with me and she was like, all right, well, that was cool. Uh, but you know, we have a, a, a critical feedback process in our house. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, well, you know, that was great, but like, how are you any different than any other cadre? And I thought about it and I was like, well, okay, that's fair. Um, what can I bring to teach, uh, that people aren't really doing and, uh, and coming from a CrossFit and a, and a strength and conditioning and powerlifting background, um, one of the things that I do a lot of is, is compression. 
And one of the tools that was taught to me by a guy named Donnie Thompson, who's a, a famous power lifter, one of the greatest of all times, had a 3,000 pound power lifting total. He taught me these uh, compression bands. And basically it's a uh, little latex band you wrap around a joint or a muscle that's squeezing down on the, on the muscle fibers and uh, improving the fascia as you're moving through the range of motion. It's straightening everything out. Uh, but then there's also some blood flow technique to it where you're essentially going through a process called an intermittent ischemia where you get a, a almost like a tourniquet type effect for a couple minutes. And then you take it off and you get a flush of fresh blood into an area like hey, your ankles or your Achilles that don't get great blood flow as it is, but they're under pressure all day. Right. I mean, you get swelling in your feet if you're traveling. And so how do we push that swelling back into the body? Right. If you're just sitting, standing there or if you're under a 40 pound ruck. Well, I saw this as an opportunity to help people that are out doing hard things go further and get more out of their body. And then in a couple of the first couple of events, um, just conveniently had participants step in potholes and like sprain their ankles. And uh, I was like, oh, awesome. This is a good opportunity to show this tool. And uh, we stop, we gather everybody around, we wrap it up. And it happened a couple different times that, that they were able to finish, the participant was able to finish out the event by just applying this one tool. A couple months, actually a couple years go by, and, uh, and I taught it a handful of times. And finally out in, uh, in France with one of the other cadre, and he had taken, you know, a couple months before, uh, he had gotten in a really bad parachuting accident and broke basically every bone in his ankle and feet. I mean, just totally destroyed him. He fell from like 60 feet and uh, under a parachute. And uh, right before the event started off, I was like, hey, let me try this out. You know, I think, I think you'll really dig this. And uh, so we wrapped up his ankles and he just crushed it all weekend long. And, so and you it, wrapped them just for a few minutes and then took it off and then he started? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, okay. yep, uh, the, the night before and then right before the event is like kind of a, a prep Right to get the blood flowing and to get some of that swelling out and to uh, to to really warm up the joint before we start putting a bunch of trauma on it and uh, and it helped I mean it, immediately he was like wow this is this is great right and he ended up stealing my band and uh, and so that I I like had none left and uh, and at the same time I was like kind of tossing around the idea of having my own. Uh, brand of these and uh so we're hanging out and i officially given or had my last band stolen and uh decided to launch this little this little project that has uh it's been a lot of fun and big thing is just helping people get more out of their bodies right i mean it, who hasn't had a knee issue or hey i've got an elbow that is giving me some problems or a shoulder or, you know basically any joint extremity that gets a little twinge in it and compression is one of those things that can help recover really quickly. And we don't even know exactly why, right? We, the scientists think they know, um, or physical therapists, but it's one of those things that just like, it works, man. And, uh, and, and pro athletes do it. Um, it was a, a great recovery and prep and recovery technique that we've seen work over and over. And so, uh, that's been the that's been the mission, and then we've uh, added a bunch of other tools now, kind of as we've evolved into uh, into you know bigger than just the the bands. So 
you know, now we're getting into um, some gua sha or instrument aided uh, soft tissue mobilization. So, you know, common practice that physical therapists use is like scraping to, to get the fascia and the blood mm-hmm. flow to areas. Um, we've launched a uh, couple different products for that and all with, you know, multiple uses. Cause Hey, if I'm, I don't want to just carry like a, a, a piece of metal that I can't get into anywhere, but you know, our, our tools kind of, or look a little bit like uh, brass knuckles, right? That you might put around and, and force multiply if you happen to get into a little scuffle. Um, but they're also like, you know, made out of G10, so you can get past a metal detector if you need to. Um, so fun little things like that, and like ankle weights, and uh, like, you know, they're like incremental sandbags. Uh, so a couple little things uh, that can help fill up your ruck, right? Because you've got your ruck, you've got your go ruck bag, but instead of just carrying weight, the idea is you carry stuff that can help you get further in your mission, right? And if you can take care of your body, you can get further and uh, and do more fun things. And so yeah. that's been the that's been the big focus on that. All right. So the guy that sprained his ankle, or one of the ones that did, and you said, "Let's just do this right now." So he did it. Mm-hmm. He wrapped it. You compressed it up, I guess, and you call it flossing. Is that right, Dan? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you wrap him up for three to five minutes or something like that. Take it mm-hmm. off. And then he gets gets going again. Is that right? Yeah. So there's a, a couple different ways you can do it, right? So you can you can take it take the boot off and wrap it and and avoid that swelling, or you can wrap it and use it more as a brace technique until you can get you know like say like off the X, right? And so put a put compression enough compression on it that you can put your boot back on and continue whatever you're going to do so you can finish out the day. But, uh, you know, ideally, we use the floss bands to, to prep and then recover. So, you know, in a perfect world, we don't get injured. Um, but recovery process should start as soon as your mission is done, right? As soon as the day is done, you're immediately into that zone where you're focused on nutrition, what you can do for your body, and, and sleep. Um, but if we can increase the blood flow and the nutrients getting to those muscles, that's going to get you that much closer to getting back to normal state or stronger than before. And so for this sprained ankle example, uh, a lot of times it was just, Hey, all right, let's improve the, the, the muscle tissue and the joint, the tendon health, even intra event. And so, and and it's proven to, to be pretty effective. If you don't mind, I'd like to just go ahead and share my belief in, in the ruck wrap in the, in the, in the strapping or the, the flossing, because since my injury, so I tore my Achilles on March 21st, complete rupture, had surgery on April the 9th. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a tough, tough injury. And I, cause I've never gone this long without, without moving. I mean, I'm walking now. I'm still not, I still have a limp. I still can't jump. I did run 40 yards. I did a 40 yard dash Thursday night on grass in eight seconds. So I am slowly strengthening, but, but I developed once I got my cast all my cast off i got really really bad restless legs and it was but it was really just around my my heel mostly and it was so bad i couldn't sleep and i had to start sleeping with a sleep uh heating pad every night and sometimes the heating pad wouldn't work i'd have to and if it wouldn't the next thing i had to do was get in a hot bath and oftentimes this was late at night and then sometimes that restlessness would go all the way up to my knee and it was just you know it was just really really bad 
and uh, I got tired of the heating pad, and you had told me about Ruck Wrap, and, and they were back ordered for a while because I had them ordered shortly after you told me. But once I got those in, I started using them every night, and 100% got rid of my restless leg. Usually it's in my – I wrap my ankles. I'm actually doing both ankles, my good one and my recovering one. And if occasionally it goes up my leg again, if it does, I take the other one and I just wrap it all the way from my knee all the way down my calf, down to my ankle, and it's it's fixed it. And so, but that's like my nightly ritual now. The last thing I do, put the kids to bed, sit on the couch next to my wife, and I wrap I wrap up, just like you said, good and tight, three to five minutes, and man, it feels good. That's a that's a heck of a uh, a, a testimonial as well. You know, getting getting cut on. And, and having that experience, and I've I've heard the exact same feedback from a, a guy that actually lost his leg in combat, right? And he had that uh, I think they call it the uh, the phantom leg syndrome, and uh, and he had some tingling and just a ton of pain, and he started doing that, and it, it seems to have resolved some of the issues. And, and now this is like on the on the fringe, right? But uh, but for guys that are doing their own physical therapy, because I saw you. you you graduated from physical therapy because mm-hmm. they decided that they got you to a certain point where they wanted to kick you out of the door and maybe insurance wasn't covering it anymore. Uh, but man, like this is a lifelong process, right? And you got to be able to keep up with your kids and, uh, and get your, maintain your own machine, right? And, uh, and learn those little things that can help you get back in the fight and get to the things that you enjoy doing, like walking and running and, uh, and, and as we continue this journey of like your own self rehabilitation now, like leave no stone unturned. If it's wrapping it up and it feels weird, and it's, it's not really a comfortable feeling for those couple minutes. I usually get to the point where I'm like freaking out just a little bit and I need to immediately get it off. But what it's doing on like a, a cellular level is incredible to the point where we can't even like I, I wouldn't have pitched it as like oh this is going to cure your restless leg syndrome but the the benefits are they're obvious you just got to give it a try and and I haven't heard too many people that aren't like oh wow yep that's that's a big a significant improvement yeah it, it works for the restless leg I did it on my son he gets restless legs all the time at night and he's uh, seven now I wrapped his entire legs up with it one night <laughs> I think I took a yeah. picture of it but and sure enough man I he went. He went to sleep after I took him off. <laughs> That's awesome. That's it's super good to hear. You know, and that, that like gives me that good feeling of like, you know, I, I've got this thing inside myself that I just want to help other people feel better, right, or train better, or get those little little wins. Um, I hurt people for long enough that now like my biggest thing is like I want to help people, right? I help people grow, <laughs> help people get better, and uh, and I went from Dan the destroyer to kind of Dan the builder, and uh, and that transition has been. It's been a fun time, and uh, I'm really trying to dedicate myself to that. Yeah, so I'd like to hear in the last last few minutes, Dan, what about mentally right now? Like, how would you describe your level of mental toughness? Right now, I, I mean, I'm hey, I've been training my whole life for this one moment, right? And uh, I've overcome some, some fairly traumatic obstacles, um, and for the most part, like, after the military stuff. Um, and so, you know. I'd say that right now I feel as good and as at peace and uh, and mentally tough as I have been in the past. What about physically? Are you in the best physical shape of your life right now? Um, I don't. So I'm I'm not operating as as 
raw strength as I have. I've, I've evolved over the years of, of the type of athlete that I am. But the biggest thing is consistency, right? And and so whatever you're doing, I, I really don't want to let myself slip into that period of like, um, you know, complacency or put on the dad bod 30 or whatever it becomes. And if I can do that, you know, I'm, I'm significantly younger than you um, and just a different phase of my life or significantly younger than a lot of guys. Um, but man, like if I can just look at this as a consistent factor of, all right, well, one day my mission might be, I want to pick up this 600 pound barbell. Well then maybe a year from now, I'm going to do a ultra marathon or, you know, now I, I really strive for that level of ready for whatever fitness. And, uh, and I got to the point where strength, you know, I kind of reached a point where I was happy with that. And now I'm getting more, like I'm diving deep into the jujitsu game and, and just learning more about that. But you know, consistency and, uh, and learning new things. I'm, I'm happy with where I am physically, and I, I think I can perform most tasks. Um, that's that's always been the goal, even through combat control training, is like, and be the jack of all trades. And I'm not going to master any of them, right? <laughs> but uh, we can we can do anything. I've always looked at it. Well, not always, but maybe in the last five years, you know, I want to be able to run if I have to, maybe climb a fence if I have to, throw a football. You know, I want to be able to be able to do various things, lift up something heavy, you know, carry somebody out of a building, you know, something that's that's uh, besides just bench pressing 300 pounds. Sure. There, there's always a certain level of like protection, right? You got to be able to at a bar none, you got to be able to protect yourself and the things that you love, right? And, uh, and so, whatever tools you're going to get there with, whether it's rucking or, or lifting, it all can play together. And, and if you're doing it, you should be doing it for a reason. Um, I'm not a big sports guy. Like I'm not a big watch other people play sports kind of guy. I'm a big, hey, like do it, do it myself. Right. And, and you said, Hey, jump over fences. Well, I need to be able to get away from a dog if it's chasing me or a pack of dogs, which actually happened to me when I was doing my, uh, Jag 28, I got bit by a dog. Um, when I was, doing the ruck, uh, for Mark this summer. And, uh, and, and, but I needed to either be able to fight my way out of that situation or jump over a fence. Right. And it, <laughs> yeah, I got bit by a dog. Right. Yeah. What it, so I saw part of the video. I didn't know you got bit. I thought you just kind of basically out yelled him. What did you do? <laughs> well, it kind of started off as like a couple, couple two dogs, uh, started charging after me. And I, I thought I'd just, you know, bark back a little bit. And then, uh, Things got a little bit more aggressive, and hey, if you can't if you can't jump over a fence, which or get away from them, um, one kind of lunged in and took a took a little chunk out of the leg, uh, but it got a, a swift Mac V to the head, and uh, and that kind of disengaged that. But man, like you got to be able to run from something or get away, you know, run from the cops if you need to. Uh, hopefully, you're not you're not doing anything that you have to. Man, like we got to be able to run from fe- jump over fences. But the dog, the dog engagement was was quite interesting. Yeah, I was a missionary, and I had some dogs come after me, but I didn't. I never had any weapons on me, so just had to had to fight your way out of that one, <laughs> or ride <laughs> off on a bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dan, what is uh, so you've been? I think you've had. Uh, did you play sports in high school? I did. Yeah, I played basketball, and okay. I, I ran track and played basketball. All right, so you've had coaches, and you know, your dad, and. And then you've, you've been a coach, basically, you know, a cadre and, and probably different mentor positions in the military. I mean, but what is some of the best advice that you've been given? Oh, man. One of my 
one of my go-tos is, uh, is, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Right. And so you create your own luck through getting after it and, uh, and, and working hard for those things and opportunities just kind of open up if you are putting yourself out there and on the grindstone and, uh, and, and helping other people that opens up opportunities for you to do great things. And so that's kind of one of my life go-tos. Anything else you want to share, Dan, about you, your business, anything working out? Man, just, you know, consistency is key. Uh, finding a good team and, uh, and, and reach out, you know, if you're, if you're in one of those spots, like we've got an awesome community of folks that are just trying to help others and, uh, and bring more folks along. So if you, you know, if anybody's listening to this and finds themselves in a, in a position where they need some guidance, reach out and, uh, we'll get you hooked up with the people that can and open up that community, right? Cause we're a, we're a big, big worldwide community and, uh, and, if you need something, reach out. It, it really is. Uh, the Go Rook community is for all ages, you know, absolutely. So I, yeah. I like that and how you can you can adapt how you need for your abilities or any limitations you may have. Uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you one last thing, though, Dan, and that's I wanted to get something that's a little more, more popular or heated right now, mm-hmm. and especially with the professional sports coming back. Of course, I rarely watch TV. Especially, I just I'm in a rental and it's not even worth trying to find something good to watch by flipping through all the 500 channels or something that there are. But some of the things that I have seen is you know with NBA and the Major League Baseball. I mean, what what are your thoughts on the whole kneeling for the national anthem? My thoughts on kneeling for the whole for the national anthem are that it it is entertainers and athletes' freedom to stand or kneel or raise a fist or whatever they choose to, to do during that time. And, and a lot of men have laid down their lives to, to preserve that right um, and to have a, a safe environment for guys to play games, right? a protected environment to display whatever they want to with their voice that they have. But it's also my choice to support that right, and to give them a voice. And so for me, I, I much prefer just to recommend to people to be their own heroes, right? And there's enough things you can do and enough activities. That, like I, I don't choose to waste my time watching other guys have a fun time, right? I want to, I want to give that time to either my family or my community or myself. And so uh, I'm not going to get too fired up about how other people uh, celebrate their freedoms, but, uh, but I'm also not going to like, <laughs> you know, it, it, that's, that's the freedom that they have. and That's their expression. Uh, but I, my views don't necessarily line up for that with that. And, uh, and there's a lot of ways that you can, instead of just like getting fired up about it, we'll ask why, right? They're, they're trying to get a message across and that's on them. Appreciate it. Hey, do you want to talk about the seven minutes a day? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, a little, little pat. I don't know when this is going to come out, but, uh, I, I put out this little volunteer opportunity, right? Is it? I love social experiments. I'm not a huge fan of social experiments where we like a mandate that we have, all have to wear masks and stay away from each other. I'm not a huge fan of that, but I am a huge fan of volunteer opportunities. And so I put this little thing on my Facebook of, you know, Hey guys, I, I'm looking for seven people to do this little test. And, uh, and it's going to require seven minutes a day for seven weeks. And, uh, and the goal is a little spoiler alert is working on neck strengthening, right? One of the most overlooked aspects of training that people just 
you know, kind of don't necessarily pay attention to unless you're a, a wrestler or, you know, you've been in a car accident and had whiplash and need to like strengthen up the, 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 the root system of your mainframe of your head and your brain. Um, strengthening the neck can be a, an amazing breakthrough for reducing shoulder pain and, and really like, you know, work on your posture. And so uh, I put it out. Hey, just looking for a couple people. And over the last 48 hours, I've got over 150 volunteers. And, uh, and I don't know when this is going to, uh, this episode is going to air, but I made this uh, video and I basically, and a, a little description that said, said it with it. And anybody that said, Hey, I'll, I'll volunteer for this unknown task. Um, they're all included. And so, but it's a top secret, uh, top secret mission. So they can't tell anybody else that they're doing it. They just have to get down with it. And so for seven weeks, um, we're going to do a weekly challenge for the first week. It's a, a, a set and a rep scheme. And then the second week will be that plus the first week kind of bounce back from A to B to A to B. And then the third week will be ABC, if that makes sense, and kind of building um, some consistency and say, see who stays with it. And uh, so that's, that's been really cool. You know, as a, a volunteer thing, I've never gotten into any good times that have really been worth something that wasn't a volunteer thing. And, uh, and so it's super cool to see a bunch of people just be like, yeah, man, Hey, what, what is it? Let's, uh, let's get after it. Cool, cool community engagement. I'm having fun with it. All right, good. Well, this is going to air in the next one to two weeks. So do you want me to include that in this or not? I, you know what? If, if the next one or two weeks, if it's a big spoiler alert, they're going to already see the benefit of it. And anybody that anybody that cares, like, hey, whether there's seven people or 150 people doing it, my thing is like inclusion. Right. And everybody wants to be on a cool mission. And this is a this is one of those cool individual missions that if you invest into it, you're going to see a huge payoff. And, uh, and and get something out of it at the end. And so I don't want to, but, but I don't want to keep that all in a, in like a close hold group. I want to, I want to share that. Right. And, and so that's just part of the journey is I'm not going to like hold it all in. I want to give it away. I want to give this knowledge away and, uh, and help other people. And hopefully, hopefully we have a good time at the end of the seven weeks. <laughs> well, Dan, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you doing this. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Definitely.